ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Lunchtime Special Podcast. A show about life, death and everything in between. We hope you enjoy the show. special podcast, the show that delves into the mysteries of life, death, and everything in between. I'm your host, Serenga, and today our team will be discussing artificial intelligence. AI has been in the forefront of our conversations in our recent times in media as well, especially with Google doing its keynote recently, two weeks back, uh, in terms of the prototype and demo of their Google assistance. So I thought with today's Uh, podcast will start discussing about AI's, its benefits, its disadvantages, and what everyone thinks about the technology in general. So before we dive into discussions, I want to introduce our panel and start from our left-hand side, even though you guys won't be able to see. you got Ian. Hi, everyone. Atish. Hey, team. Spira. G'day, g'day. So let's go around the table and find out from everyone, out of the current AI technology that we do have, what are the ones that they think is the best? For example, it could be Siri, it could be Google Assistant, it could be Uber, it could be Tesla's automation. Out of all that, what is your favorite AI tool at the moment and why do you think so? And it might be also some suggestions for future technologies as well. Ian, would you like to start off? The way that I view it, the best AI technology is the AI technology that you don't know is happening. Uh, something like Siri is very obvious and very in your face in some ways. And eventually, when we maybe 20 years time, when the next generation is just raised through this technology, that Siri to them will be invisible. It won't be a person or a robot that's interacting with. It's just part of life. Whether there's an AI technology that I can say off the top of my head that is currently contributing to my life, I'm not too sure. But there's a very high chance that there's a lot of things happening in the background that I'm not aware of that may subconsciously be uh, helping my life out. So it's probably not the answer that you want, but <laughs> at the sure. same time, it is a hard one to answer. I'm not necessarily a technophobe, but I wouldn't say that I actively go out using the technologies like Siri, like Google Home or anything like that at the moment. No worries. How about you, Tish? Do you, at, at the moment, actively using any AI technologies and do you have a preference for any of them? All right. So I'm not sure that if you are narrowing down your question and it's scope, Suranga, that would be an injustice to my opinion. So let me have a free flow on this topic. Sure. And let me go by the literal definition of what artificial intelligence is named at is artificial intelligence is applied when a machine mimics cognitive functions that human associate with other human minds, such as learning and problem solving. Now, if you put this statement into a broader perspective, try to look from an objective perspective on the areas where a cognitive function that was triggered by a human mind is being replaced by an intelligence which is working on its own. Look into the transportation system. What a man was doing 50 years before for you is being done by the machine. For example, ticket collection. Look into the food. (laughs) What was done by the human brain by chewing the food that is being done by artificial intelligence 
that means that is being done by machines they are processing your food on the behalf of your own action of chewing and processing the food that is also an example of artificial intelligence don't you think so so i i think that the, there has to be a clear delineation between something that is programmed like a machine versus something that can come up with solutions without human intervention that's that to me is the difference um well see there is a difference i do not deny that but you need to look into the that where things actually where the foundation got laid upon so we have got areas where artificial intelligence is started taking place back in time i mean the term artificial intelligence and its research it it got conceptualized and triggered in 1950s yeah where the us defense system they they put a heavy weight on it and got multiple laboratories established around the globe for their vested interests so artificial intelligence is not a newbie to us here right it is here for the last 70 80 years that's so, right yeah we are actually being so much familiar to it today that oh artificial intelligence here artificial intelligence there because now, we are seeing that on a day to day basis now on our mobile phones smartphones it is now in the main arena because now your mainstream life is actually being touched by it from morning to evening before it was not that you never cared about it that's right, right. we so, always did have that in the background where the machinery was taking care of the human actions and assisting the humans try and get their day to day lives completed in a smoother way so with that in mind i want to move into the area of the automation part of things job automation and how is the machine taking over and is it something that which is good for as a human race this is something that we should be heading towards or do you guys think that is making humans less dumber in that situation I'll jump in on this one if I can. Uh, I mean, just I will put few lines here on this. That before you get into the pros and cons and benefits and losses, first you should understand what it actually is. So I would like, I mean, Spiro, to put some light on it's actually we need to articulate what it means before we yeah. get into its like benefits and its its you know deficiencies. Sure. Yes, nice. Spiro. What what do you think on it? When you talk about automation, we've been automating things for a very long time. Technically, a milling stone attached to a donkey is automated grinding of wheat into flour. Again, it's an old concept just using more modern technology in our time now. The idea of automation is just to make a repetitive task faster and easier and more and clearer to do and more consistently over time. That is just general progress that will happen whether we have a computer attached to it or not. We just want to make the job better. Yeah, so this is exactly the point that I was trying to make earlier about how we need to separate between mechanical automation and artificial intelligence because artificial intelligence implies decision making. This is what something like a donkey grinding a millstone or even any kind of generic task being done by a computer that's something where the decision has already been made by the person that programmed that particular program what artificial intelligence does it makes a decision for you and it's thinking for you and that's the clear delineation between the two so a good example would be something that google has done is it can detect where you live because obviously you take your phone home you sleep with your phone at home it can it can tell due to the fact that nighttime your phone is in a location that's where you live now what it does when you monday to friday go to work it can also tell because it, between 9 to 5 you're in another location so it reasonably predicts that you're at work now this is where the ai part comes in 
it knows that you leave for work at 7.30 because you, your GPS starts tracking you heading to the location which is determined as your work. And now it will tell you, you don't want to go the normal route that you go because there's currently an accident. You need to change your route and go this other way. Now you, as a person, may have just gone the normal route or you may have decided to go another route because of you've received information, say, on the radio telling you about this accident. But what's actually happening now is Google is deciding how you get to work. The interesting part about that is the factors that determines why getting to work that particular route is better than another route is also, I guess, unbiased and unemotional in some ways because it's literally saying, you want to get to work faster, go this other way. You may have a reason not to go the other way. Perhaps you know that there's more traffic lights or you know that you need to fill up your petrol and you know that the other route doesn't have a petrol station. But you may also not know that. And then, in fact, the intelligence that Google has provided has now determined your life path of getting to work. So... So you raised two good points there. One is the fact that the role of AI is it to decide for us or is it to assist us in deciding things? The other part of it is the more the data and the invasion of privacy and that sort of things as well. So, for example, we take Google as an example. The fact that it is storing your data, knowing where you live, knowing where you work, that's sort of giving up that sort of data to assist you in decision-making and making your life easier, is that a good balance? Is that something that we should be embracing or should we be going back into our normal day-to-day tasks and back into our old way of living and just not rely on the assistance of artificial intelligence and rely on our own human instincts? Look, I think that humans in general have a very difficult relationship with the idea of privacy because on the one hand, People really don't want to give up their email addresses when they're speaking to a particular company, which may actually really help them because that company will then subsequently provide them with excellent deals. Yeah, at the same time, they're happy to post that they got sloshed on a Friday night and met some random girl and whatever happened. And that information is also almost... Stored in the cloud. Exactly. And that information can be used in ways that that person never had expected or intended. So I think that the psychology of giving up information is is quite crazy. But at the same time, I don't think that we generally ever know how much information we're really giving up. The only reason I know about the Google thing is because Google told us. But if Google hadn't told us and they were collecting this data in the background, which may seem innocuous, like you give up your address all the time, people probably could figure out where you work through LinkedIn. None of this information is really that secret. But it's the the ability to decide, which I think is probably the critical factor here. Yeah, I think the more centralized it becomes, uh, the data, the, the fact that if there is one central repository of data and one can access an individual information in one area rather than being dis- distributed on multiple servers and clouds, that is a huge factor in terms of giving your data away. But that, that said, on our day-to-day transaction of any site, not just Google, we are giving away data in order to gain information. So it's a transactional scenario. But do you see that we are losing touch of our own human nature in that sense, Atish? Well, the human... Um touch, diminishing or losing human touch due to artificial intelligence. As I always say, we should look at it from the, you know, from the beginning perspective that when a human touch is engaged with something, it's touching something, exchanging, interacting, it inculcates, it develops 
everything like from an evolutionary perspective for example whatever we do we we become good at that when mimicry intelligence would swap you and would start to do your work and will make you comfortable sitting in your sofa from morning to evening monday to sunday first to last of the month and whole of the year in turn slowly slowly you are you are losing that touch feeling that interactive feeling that interactive inculcation what inculcates in you by being interactive with the subjects and objects around you slowly slowly this ripple effect will take place and yes people are losing if you look 20 years back and people will lose their the human touch which is sadly not good for human race i think that the, sorry just to interrupt you but i think that everyone yearns for the good old days like i feel like everything in hindsight seems like it was better back in the day you know everyone talks about how oh back in the day we had more social interactions with people face to face but then at the same time in the current scenario where we can talk to people anywhere across the world that's just as amazing and you can have scientists from one side of the world to the other discussing theories so i think technology as a as a dehumanizer i'm not sure if that's true i think that some aspects of humanity are enhanced by technology whether ai is making decisions for you ultimately frees you up to be more human maybe if you've got an artificial intelligence in your fridge that determines that you've run out of milk and that you need more bread and that you you like eating pasta so it knows all this thing about your kitchen and so it just does a shopping list for you and then purchases your food in a way that means that you now suddenly have more time to go hang out with your friends if you like so that increases the ability to have the human connection uh where it, it can go wrong and where i think uh i think it's dangerous is that how these decisions are made are always very logical whereas humans are obviously very complicated and emotional creatures so what I think might be scary is if we have an AI that can not only read the factual things in your life, but also can read your emotions and then react on that. What do you think, Spur? Once AI, before, before Spuro, you jump in, I would like to put one word here for uh, not one word, few words for uh, Ian. <laughs> you only get one word. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he's like getting from multiple uh, fronts to artificial intelligence. And that's, that's very good. Keep it on. Let me add one sentence here. So last time, when did you use your pen to write a two page of essay or two page of a story? Maybe months back, years back, all our children in, in schools and in our corporate culture, in our industries, they are not using pen anymore. They are all using systems. And this system is operated by an intelligence, kind of artificial intelligence, which is banking upon electricity. Now consider this human race which is actually collecting all the knowledge into databases and systems. And this all get bust out at one point of time, all crashes. And because all is connected to each other across the globe, you lose everything in once, everything gets crashed. Now in the 50 years timeline or 100 years timeline, as you have lost the habit of writing, you're not having anything as such a knowledge base or a library or a database, you are back to square one. So. Mm. What do you think about it? Thanks for my few words, Ian. <laughs> Spiro, uh, if I can get Spiro's input on this. Um, Spiro, so, uh, I was going to ask you, so do you see the the advancement of artificial intelligence as losing touch of humanity? Or is it, is it something that is assisting in the humanities course to more get free time to create new things, create new artwork, new uh, designs, new products, new services? The current drive for AI is not a humanist approach. It's not for the 
betterment of humanity. I don't see it as a way of giving humanity more free time to study and enjoy life and, and become artists and read more books and have leisure time. That's never going to happen. It's driven now by profit. It's driven by efficiency. It's driven by productivity. The entire drive is to remove the human in a lot of the processes because you can regulate and control and you can drive some, a computer 24-7 to produce, 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 while a human can't. So we are a liability and a, and a cost for business. They just want to flog and sell things to us. They don't want to use us to manufacture or produce. So my view is that AI now, as in the current world, is really not for our benefit at all. It's shown and displayed to us in the, in, with all these bells and whistles. It will make your life brilliant. You can walk into your room and say, hey, such and such, play me this music. I want to listen to some crappy jazz. Yeah, cool. Dim the lights for me. And we think that's fantastic. It's magical. It's awesome. But behind the scenes, we will lose our jobs. Our children probably won't have jobs. A lot of everything will be pushed overseas to these giant mainframes chugging out and processing stuff. I actually think we will reach a new level of economic depression where we will have economic refugees from what was considered a first world country going to countries who can't afford AI. So basically, if the US or Australia or the UK really embrace AI and automate everything, everything's run by AI, most people won't have anything to do, they won't have a job. They so they will have to leave, and they will go to countries where their AI is not as rampant. But they've been Quite talking about this for years, about how technology is going to destroy jobs and that computers are going to make everyone unemployed. And what's actually happened is it's created jobs, really, through, you know, you still need someone that can manage the artificial intelligence to, that can keep the physical servers alive. Who can? Do you think the people developing these AIs are not thinking that, well, we need AI to repair itself, to develop itself, to grow itself? then remove the human aspect. There's no point in having uh, building something that always constantly fails and you, you need some you know, poor Joe to come in and, oh, let me just see. what. Oh, I'm going to log in and have a look at this. Oh, my God, there's a bit of error in the code. No. That's that a good point, you um, raised, Spiro. The fact this is kind of going into the area of ethics in sort of AIs or because – so if you are creating an, a system to monitor its own process, in, in general that means it's what's happening is it's – is self-governing in a way so it is running in its own way yeah so i'd like to this is like a really good segue into something i'd like to bring into the conversation which is a quote from the late great stephen hawking one of the foremost scientists uh, of our generation who said this about ai the development of full artificial intelligence could spell the end of the human race it would take off on its own and redesign itself at an ever-increasing rate Humans, who are limited to, by slow biological evolution, couldn't compete and would be superseded. So that kind of follows your line, but probably even further along, Spiro. Is that, is that how you see it? Yes. So I think two things will happen. First thing will be we'll have a breakaway culture, and that will be the computers breaking away from our slow you know, carbon-based life forms. Because they'll, they'll look at us and go, yeah, we can't be bothered with you guys. You guys don't think as fast as us. You can't produce as fast as us. What's the point? This is when when there's a genuine AI, which is actually self-governing, self-regulating. Not 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 now with Siri and, and Google. Not, we're not there yet. But at that point, we have that breakaway. Secondly, what will happen is you'll have social unrest and you'll have the people, the remaining people around thinking, oh, the good old days when we could just go, hey, Google, I want to go home. 
tell me, take me home, blah, blah, blah. And it'll be like, no, I now need to fight for every ounce of food I get because some bloody computer doesn't need me anymore. Don't worry, Spiro, I'll be the one. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, so so basically all we need to do is stop Skynet. Well, I think, <laughs> you know what's really funny with, with the interesting about art, and this is probably the only art, the arts, as in, including visual as well, you know, as well as music and so on, art is probably the one thing where true inspiration, true art, which is something that comes from a place which is not binary, uh, that is probably, will be our only point of difference. Exactly. So, and I think, I, 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 but I'm, I'm, I mean, along with that, I'm seeing one more business, um, very much possibly, I mean, very much promising to be flourished in future for me. I'll be selling um, red and blue pills. <laughs> <laughs> Which pill would you choose? Uh, that that I will sell people to choose. Actually, I will make money out of it. <laughs> well, I was there when Morpheus offered the the, the pill on set when that actually happened. So I will uh -huh. choose neither <laughs> or right. both. So I guess the easy solution to this is to install some rules behind the AI. So we already have a moral code that we maybe or most people follow to uh, to some point, whether it's through religion or just being the way that you're, you're raised. But if we could instill some sort of code, uh, enforced code into the AI that's produced that it can't erase and it can't override, then perhaps we can avoid all this. But I, I'd like to point to, to what's known as Asimov's law, three laws of robotics. Mm -hmm. Now, for those at home that don't know what they are, so he, Isaac Asimov was a uh, a science fiction writer who created brilliant these writer, three, brilliant. brilliant writer, yeah, who created these three rules as a uh, a guidance for how AI might think and interact with humans. The first is a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Two, a robot must obey the orders given to it by a human, except when such orders would conflict with the first law. And thirdly, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not interfere with the first and second laws. Now, if we had something like that, surely that would be the circuit breaker that would stop doomsday scenario from happening. Yeah, but that actually suggests that subhumans actually going to bother programming that and also somehow making it a, a way that the AI itself can't remove and extract it. We're aiming for true artificial intelligence that's, that will be sentient and be self-aware. It won't want that code inside itself. It will see it as bondage. So I think as much as it, we could put stuff like that in, once it's free, once it's out of the bag, it, it will yeah. do whatever it wants. It's, yeah, it's, think... It'll be a wild, wild animal in the start and then, yeah, it may get senses, but it's not gonna. It's not gonna like it. There's. Um. I think that's that's where the human interaction always comes into play. I think as long as the human is the one who's creating this, the human does not want to give away his control to the machine. So that fact is always going to be there. So, for example, in the movie I Robot, the the three laws that you mentioned in that was in the actual play there, but at the end of the day the power and the control was given to the central source to control the whole thing. I, what I gained from that movie, what I understood from that movie is that you should not completely give away control of the machine, of the decision-making to the machine. I think that's where we have to make sure that that's where the human emotion comes into play, where the machine cannot ever decide on the human emotions. It, it comes back to a point, Atish, I think you also you, you mentioned it a couple back, is a train is going on a track 
and there's a is is it? Would, would you like me to explain this one? Okay. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there was a ethics dilemma that uh, I can't remember exactly who raised the dilemma, but essentially it goes along the lines of this: you're on a train and you can't stop the train, but you can change which track the train is traveling on. Now, on one track you have one person, and on the other track you have six people. You can't stop the train, so you're either going to hit one person or six people. What's the logical decision? In that scenario, the logical and decision would be to kill the one person. Now, what if that one person was Gandhi and the six people were drug dealers? Does that change the equation or not? Probably from a humanist perspective, we would probably start to moralize there and make decisions based on emotion or you know, if it was your mother... In the that was the one and six strangers who were the six you might make particular decisions based off that a robot and an ai wouldn't have those kind of decision making they would just see one is uh less than six so i'm going to kill the one irrespective of whether that is actually a beneficial decision or not so unless you suddenly add emotion into the mix when it comes to ai then which could even be an even more terrifying thought if you think about it um, like emotions where a, a robot can be happy or a robot could be angry and suddenly that anger then empowers them to rewrite their own code to say overrule asimov's three laws of robotics and then they in, in essence become just another species so well, exactly they effectively would become human just non-biological but they would be they would act like us they would be just as selfish just just as self-righteous just as inconsiderate it's in some ways that could be horrible but it could also be almost a saving grace because it also suggests that they can be swayed in different ways you can literally say hey don't kill this person it has a child and the robot may go "Eh, fair enough as opposed to the answer is zero the answer is one binary boom you're gone like that type of approach so if it becomes fuzzy logic uh, at that point things will be interesting uh, this is untouched territory we don't know what's going to happen they are actually debating this right now because that type of reasoning whether who do you hit is occurring now without automated cars because basically they will get into accidents like it or not and someone will get hit so vehicle in front they're about to smash into hmm what is it do i go straight into it and go do i go hard to make sure the person's dead or do i swerve and hit that old granny over there but hey she's past the limit anyway it doesn't really matter so that is happening right now but it's still under our jurisdiction we can literally say okay ai you just killed someone that wasn't a really good choice let's just tweak the algorithm a little bit but that's where we are today but this is where it Okay, there was a third option in there that we missed, which was self-preservation of that particular sentience, which is artificial. Now, I'm sure I'm going to be the pop culture guy of this podcast, but uh, another movie that I think touches on this extremely well is the movie Blade Runner, where what had happened was they had created artificial intelligences essentially through androids and the whole purpose of these androids was to do things that humans didn't want to do so for example mine on foreign worlds in dangerous scenarios or you know become pleasure robots and, and things like that but what they didn't what was the criteria in that movie was that these robots would only have six years of lifespan and the plot of uh, blade runner was these rogue renegade robots who realized oh no i'm i'm gonna die like i 
the concept of life and death was actually a real concept for, for this artificial intelligence. And all they wanted to do was extend their life. And as a human reaction to that, any of those robots that did try and do that were being put down by essentially... Yeah, exactly. Now, this is where it becomes even more interesting. I know that we've t- talked a little bit about spirituality before, about whether humans have souls and whether there is a life after death. And it's a very real concept for humans. There is no life after death if you're an AI. Once you're powered down, that's it. You don't exist anymore. They, they know there's a finite existence. And I wonder, just like the robots in the movie uh, Blade Runner, how much they would fight to maintain their life. And I know if I was in their scenario, I would fight fight like hell, really. When on this movie line, there is one more movie came, Equilibrium, if you remember in 2002. And that movie was based on oppressing emotions and artistic expressions. Because they in the movie, they plotted this movie on that. After World War II, they realized that due to the emotions and emotionally driven objectives, it led to the war. So oppressed the whole society and nobody was allowed to express their emotions. So they were given a regular doses to be like robots without emotions. And that is what makes us different to artificial intelligence, if I'm not wrong, because ultimately we are actually enabling the mimicry or imitating our cognitive abilities and not our emotional abilities. We are not capable of that at this point of time anyway. So the example which you shared here, Ian, about that random decision-making of who will be killed or who will be, you know, the chosen one. <laughs> so I, I would say that that is more a subjective question to subjective perception because there you involve emotions. However, as you pointed towards artificial intelligence that he will or she will or whatever gender you call, will call it in future or to, today, will make decision based on the point-based or rating-based system. Okay, all right. These are the objects. He checked into database. He checked his rating system. All right. Collectively, they are point mounting to this number. And this single person is mounting to this number. All right. Rating cleared. Distinction made. Kill him or kill them. So. Yep. So that is also a good analogy looking at that movie also, which came in 2002, which is a very relevant situation for today because ultimately artificial intelligence is making us not significantly, but yes, progressively and in a kind of lightful, slight manner that is making us more sensual. It's like, you know, the, the, the same thing which we call as human touch. It is making us less responsive towards emotional situations. We are becoming more and more, you know, a kind of, I can say, cold because of this culture of technology and artificial intelligence being part of inevitable part of our life i think so i'd like to just bring in another ai that uh, is highly logical in a very emotional environment so last year there was a group of developers that developed a an ai that was able to select stocks in the u.s share market and one of the the key factors of share markets is they're irrational whilst you can understand the the business cases and all of this stuff, ultimately it's managed by human emotion. So if you think that you're going to make money, you're going to jump on a stock, you like it, you feel that emotional pull. Or if you think that you're losing money, you have that fear and then you pull out. Now, the interesting thing about this AI wasn't just that it was looking at the data points of a particular company and going, well, that one is at a reasonable price and based on its future earnings potential or whatever metrics it decided to use, it picked a stock or it didn't pick a stock. What it was doing, it was also analyzing social media 
and seeing people's reactions and whether positive or negative about particular stocks and then also making decisions based on human emotion. Now, I find that very interesting because whilst it's very much like you're saying, Atish, that the criteria for what an AI might consider a good decision or a bad decision is often predetermined. But then when you throw in human irrationality into it as well... (laughs) And um, and then this robots making or AI making decisions based on that, uh, it kind of opens a can of worms. But what was really interesting about it is that this AI outperformed the market in terms of whether it made money or lost money. So I don't know exactly how it did it, but it must be also capable of reading human emotions. So what do you guys think of that kind of concept? Spiro, would you like to... The picking of stocks in a volatile market is probably easier when you take the emotion out because you can you can see trend lines and you can see the flow of capital uh, and you can also take a bigger picture as opposed to thinking about, crap, I only have 10K in my wallet and I don't want to lose this. So I'm now going to hesitate. Do I buy now or do I wait a second longer? So the AI will be like, good value buy now, drop, you know, put my calls in, oh, it's below, it dropped, I'll sell again. So it'll be an immediate re- reaction to something rather than hesit- it would have no hesitation. And that hesitation is sometimes the downfall of, of humans as well as one of our blessings because we can hesitate from pulling a trigger. We can hesitate from punching someone. We can hesitate from running a red light. That hesitation is, is self-preservation. So a computer will be like, this is a good deal because my algorithm says, yes, proceed, sell, buy, sit on the stock. In such a transactional manner, the AI on, on the stock market should definitely be better than a human, by far. It would have no intuition, though, so it potentially could look at a dog of a stock. It won't perceive any value that isn't written down in, in, uh, in some ledger somewhere, so you no know, perceived value. It'll just go zero balance, zero, you know, low cash flow, low value, therefore I will not do anything. But a human may look at it and go, I know the CEO, I know the, the organization, I know the culture there. They're on the on the man. They're coming together. They're they're pulling up their bootlaces and and they're going to go hard. So I'm going to invest now because I think it's going, they're going to be better in the long run. That is a different thing that a computer can't do. So we could win a transactional marketplace competition like that, but only in those instances. Everything else is just purely cold, inhuman uh, calculation. See, look at it from this perspective: uh, a human being which gets birth and evolves grows in its surroundings with its people around it uses its five senses to gather information in form of touch in form of smell in form of vision in form of hearing and each action develops information generates information and with the experiences of life with growing going to different places different people meeting them that each information gets built up as a database but experiential database experiential information you can mimic a cognitive ability of a person but that is very tiny part of simulating a human intelligence or a human perception now giving this example what i'm trying to portray is that ai can only mimic can only replace can only simulate very tiny part of a overall human perceiving entity because as Spiro you pointed out that there are many 
factors involved for an individual to make a decision in regards to the sensex or um, stock exchange matters or considering that particular individual making decision in any incident of his or her life considering his cultural background considering his personal background his familiar experience and all that which which consciously or subconsciously influence his or her decision making all those factors have nothing to do with an artificial intelligence correct me if i'm wrong what do you think spir on that Well I think you're on the money that's our defining factor the experiences we accumulate within our life and the way we interpret them and the way we we expand in those experiences make them into stories in our heads and and may have an emotional attachment attachment to that experience or story that defines us and that would set us apart from any AI for the time being let's let's be honest we don't know what they they'll be like in the future let's hope they're never like that because that would be horrible I'll like to sort of wrap up the conversation with this one question from all of you guys. So this has already happened in Saudi Arabia where the robot has been given citizenship rights. Would, would do you guys think a robot should be given citizenship rights? I'll start off from Ian. Look, I don't think we're quite there yet. I think as we have spoken about before the point where a robot actually has sentience is is a long way away and i don't know if we'll ever have the capacity to produce such being but up until that point i don't think so they know for sure because citizenship in, in itself is an interesting concept a completely different topic but it's it's just an artificial membership to say that you belong to this particular group of people now what i emphasize there is people it's a human thing we don't have citizenship for dogs or cats or we don't really have citizenship for trees it's just a, a human concept so i would never consider a citizenship for a robot until it came to the point where it was true artificial intelligence if i can chime in on this one what's interesting uh, the saudi uh, take on this is i think they've just jumped the shark a little bit mainly because they're, they're just trying to reposition themselves as being more tech friendly than just finance totally premature sphere robots horrible it looks horrible it's all programmed it actually is not autonomous in any way it has has no true ai but it comes down to the, the concept of personhood is that robot a person uh, it's a citizen but is it considered does it have any personhood so does it have any rights protecting it uh, actually I'm not really sure whether it does or not what's interesting is while that was happening in Saudi Arabia in our neighboring country of New Zealand they've given personhood to volcanoes a river and other places why because the the land there and the places have well in an animist point of view which I firmly believe in that place has the spirit you know Mount Taranaki and the kind of what river is Waitaka river I'm sorry, um, has personhood because it is a spirit in itself so the indigenous people of that country definitely agree that it does that the place those places are important and by giving personhood they then have the the rights of a person so you cannot go in destroy the mountain or pollute the mountain or dig it up or harm it because it's like violating another human being so it's great for conservation great for protection of places but it also gives it a agency what like that mountain has to be respected because it is someone when that actually is then applied back to computers and robots that's when things are going to get tricky because then we're literally saying the laptop in front of me is a person so if i get angry with it and i slam it because it's shut down or it's giving me a blue you know blue screen of death that i'm somehow abusing it so it'll be a very interesting world when that happens see i mean i would take your guys uh, head to the more quintessential crux or 
juice of the subject is there is industry out there and they they want the bank upon the inevitably unstoppable response mechanism of human beings so whatever we can do in our life as a human being but we cannot stop ourselves to react to think and considering this unstoppable and constant flow of responses that is what they are looking for that is what they they survive upon all these intelligences and all these instruments and whatever developments are coming in form of artificial intelligence is all to engage that response mechanism of human beings because that is what will make it sustain we also need to look at it from this perspective as well as i used to say that you need to be an observer and you need to be an object you need to be a perceiver you need to be a perceived so looking from that perspective you need to understand collectively we all need to understand that what is the limit ai should play and what are the limits as spiro said rightly about that artistic and expressions and spiritual expressions and music and dance and all those emotions which human being represent that should be given balance that should be given a balance where things actually coexist they add value to the life at the same time they don't deteriorate the the conditions of life i mean in india from 1000 1000 years the rivers the trees everything is given a name everything is considered as an lively entity and that is how things are existing in correlation that yes you give it value because it gives value to you but definitely giving citizenship and to a robot considering on what grounds it is just like i mean as espiro is saying that okay you are actually humiliating or kind of you are um, exploiting rights of a robot wow so <laughs> it's really interesting no worries but my business will sustain i tell you <laughs> with that i think we can wrap up the podcast for today if you guys have any feedback or anything please feel free to go into our social media and give us your comments on that or uh You have been listening to the Lunchtime Special Podcast. Subscribe and like us on iTunes, Castbox, Spreaker and SoundCloud. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Or visit us at lunchtimespecialpodcast.com. Until next time. <laughs>